everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we have another issue of Andor Beats. We are going to be covering episodes 8, 9, and 10, which worked out so perfectly for the entire prison era, which means that our next episode of Andor Beat will actually be the finale. And I can't yeah. believe we're already there. Um, it's been a very scary ride. It's yes. been intense. It's been a stressful it's ride. Stressful, tense. Um, but also, I just love how far we've come. Um, Cassian has had a lot of growth. Yes. And we're still going to see him grow. I- I'm so happy that we already know that there's going to be a second season. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's so interesting because, like, I think we're going to see some kind of pivotal moment with his growth um, coming yeah. up really soon. And then we'll see him, you know, continuing on that arc in the second season. And I'm, I'm happy that we know that. I ha- I'm so glad that that's not up in the air. When when does Star Wars ever do this? Like Never. Mando, like, like when is Ma- like Mando could go on forever? Like, we have no idea. You know, like it. It feels like almost like, you know, a trilogy. Like when we're told we're getting a new Star Wars trilogy, we know it's three. Yeah, we know the beats. Like we Um, know how it's going to play. Yeah, same with this. It's nice knowing that they've planned. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I think it's really, you can really tell how thoughtful everything about Andor was. And that's like really, really paying off. So right off the bat, uh, before we get into all that, we do have some recommendations. We do have some news. I want to go ahead and say it here, and I will say it again later. Um, we are now on Instagram. So Twitter could cease to exist at any moment. Uh, Maybe. Like, who knows? Who knows? Like, I have no idea. Like, I will go down with that ship. Um, but we are on Instagram. We have the same at that we do on Twitter. So it's at lip underscore lightsabers. Uh, so you can go and give us a follow on there. Um, I'm debating making a Tumblr as well, but like I'm really bad at Tumblr. So like, yeah, I, don't I know. like, I'm honestly like, I'm so bad at it. And like, I appreciate everyone set like, like sending their Tumblr ads and everything, but the problem for me is everyone is so anonymous on tumblr that you like after you follow me or i follow you like a couple months later i'm like wait who is this like yeah (laughs) because nobody's ads are the same like my like stuff is the same everywhere so it's like i don't know who this person is and it just makes it really confusing yeah like my app's different, but this week I changed my profile photo so it matches so hopefully like people can make that connection Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I, I'm really bad at using Tumblr. Like, I just... Yeah. I mean, we both talked about this. We are both actually, like, legitimately sad about Twitter possibly dying because, like, we met on Twitter and, like, it's been a really big yeah. part of, like, our Star Wars journey. So, like, it's sad. Nowhere else is the same. Um, you know, Instagram is a great uh, visual social media, but it doesn't... The, the conversation aspect of it isn't there. Like, the yeah. public forumness of it isn't there. Exactly. And I feel like that's what, like, Tumblr is supposed to fill. But, like, I'm just so bad at using you Tumblr. You can't. But you also, like, can't have, like, a conversation with someone, though, on Tumblr as much. Like, it, like unless you're going into your DMs, like, it's kind of harder to have that conversation. Yeah. 
I I don't know. Like, we'll have to see how everything plays out. But I will say, like, the dumpster fire that is Tumblr has been, or not, that has been Twitter, has been very entertaining. Yeah. It's it's entertaining for sure. Like, I don't know what he thought was going to happen because this is exactly what I would have foreseen happening. Well, maybe something good will happen. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe. I would love for something good to happen. So for recommendations, uh, we both started watching White Lotus on HBO. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I I don't know what got me to watch it. I guess I saw people kind of talking about season two starting. Mm -hmm. So I go, I I launch Crave, which has all the HBO stuff here in Canada. And like, I get into it immediately. I'm like, oh my gosh, like where have I been living under a rock to not have like watched this show like when season one came out and it got a bunch of awards. Like it won a bunch of awards for the music and acting. Like it's so good. I know. Like I feel like I heard about it and then I just, I didn't even really go into it further. Like I didn't know what it was about. I just knew it was on HBO. Like I knew about like Jennifer Coolidge being in it and like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but and like, she won an Emmy for it. Which she deserves. Like, she's so good. (laughs) Like, this show is truly about just the ridiculousness of white people. And (laughs) And uh, very rich rich people. people. Yes, of white rich people. And, like, as I was watching this, I started wondering if it was going to actually, if it was, like, actually about, like, the lotus eater myth. And then there was an episode called Lotus Eater, and he, like, called them all that. Because in Percy Jackson, they go to a Lotus Hotel, and it's, like, they the Lotus Eaters lure you in because they eat the Lotus, and it's, like, a narcotic, and you lose sight of, like, everything that's important. And I was like, that's so rad. So, like, going into, like, season two and, like, going into, like, okay, so, like, they're all over the world. Like, I want to see this happen again. It's just not quite as campy so far because season one is, like, full camp. The whole time. Mm-hmm. I, like I said to you off air, i not quite enjoying season two as much, but it's still very early. And mm-hmm. we're recording this on a Sunday, so there's a new episode tonight. It's yeah. during the um, old House of the Dragon slot, so happy I filled that void. <laughs> yes, thing, things, could, things could transpire, that is for sure. Rachel was, like, one of my favorite plot lines. I love her. Yeah, and she's from Percy Jackson. Oh my god! See, like that even adds it in even more. (laughs) Going with the Lotus Eaters, but like, just her like slowly getting the ick for her husband. Is everything? I told you that before you started watching. I'm like, oh my god, this girl. I'm watching her just like slowly get the ick from her new (laughs) husband. Like this is like. I feel so bad for her. Um, <laughs> he was awful. He and this was is, awful. This isn't spoilers, like, the first episode kind of thing. Um, well, because yeah. in the first episode, like, this is a theme. Because, like, in the first episode, he starts throwing a fit because they have this beautiful room. Sweet. They had a beautiful suite. <laughs> but it's not, like, the suite. So, like, he throws a tantrum. And, like, right immediately it's like, oh, my God. And, like, I will say one of the most interesting plot lines of this series is between him and the hotel manager. Oh, my God. Because they just seem like they're out to get each other the entire season. Because they are. 
they are, yes, they are. but it's very entertaining. The lengths that they go to piss each other off is just, like, so funny. Well, I love that, like, Armand was like, mm nope, you made the wrong enemy. I'm not gonna back down. I am the petty one. Like, that was just... <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so I, I do like that we kind of get the aspect of these like really rich hotel guests that we get like a lot of stories from the actual uh, employees of the hotel too. Like we mm-hmm. follow them around also. It's interesting. It is very interesting. I And yeah. we're getting that for season two too. I would say like the um, hotel manager of season two is a lot different. She's um, very different. Well, I mean, season two takes place in Italy and season one was in Hawaii. So we have very different kind of characters involved, especially like in the hotel staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it opened the same way, though. Like you get there on a boat. So it's like already like symbolizing that you're like, mm-hmm. you are leaving like the real world behind. Yeah. Which is really cool. So like I'm interested. Like I, I am very interested to see where season two is going because season one was a bop. So moving into news, um, we have two things with Star Wars and then one just general news. Big movie came out, which was the new Black Panther. I haven't seen it yet, but Alex has. I loved it. Yeah. Like, I really loved it. It was probably my favorite phase four, like, not including No Way Home. That's high praise. Yeah, I um, I really thought that Ryan Coogler took the impossible task of making another Black Panther movie without Chadwick Boseman. And when I tell you this movie was, like, the greatest respect to Chadwick Boseman. That's good. Like, it's just, it was such a beautiful story. And I think that, like, when I think about it, I compare it a little bit to The Rise of Skywalker and how, like, they brought Carrie Fisher into that. And I will say that, like, Ryan Coogler just gets, like, I guess... In my mind, in my opinion, did a much better job honoring um, Chadwick and the character of T'Challa a lot better than the rest of Skywalker did with um, Leia. That's really good to know because, like, I that was one of the things I was worried about. Like, in seeing the trailer, like, you could tell I, that, like, they were going to mm-hmm. honor him. But that was still, like, a fear, right? No, he, he hit it out of the park in that aspect, like... A beautiful story about like grieving and about T'Challa and everything. And apparently, it's a little bit Raylo. Yeah, <laughs> it's um definitely. So our Raylo listeners will enjoy this one. Um, I will say like I think that it leans more like Hades Persephone than Raylo. More leans like Beauty and the Beast. Um, it's very good. It's very Which, good. Like, I mean, that is also, like, <laughs> so good. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try and see it because, like, hearing this high praise, I'm like, okay, good. And yeah. you said, like, it felt short, but, like, this movie's, like, almost three hours, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't know the, the runtime until, like, the day after I saw it. And I was talking about how this movie just moved. Like, the pacing, like, moved really nicely. And I'm like, that movie, like, it, it felt short. So I went and Googled it to see how long the runtime was. And it's, like, two hours and 41 minutes. Like, that's, like, Avatar length. Like, yeah. that was long. And never, there was never a moment where it felt like it was a three-hour movie. That's good. That's, that's like, very, very mm-hmm. good, especially considering, say, like, their other three-hour movies. <laughs> I do find it funny, like, watching – I've watched a lot of the interviews, and, like, that cast is just, like, so great. And um, the actor who plays uh, Namor – I think his name is said 
Tenor. Tenor. Okay. Um, he said that he didn't know how to swim before making this movie. And he just, like, told people that he knew how to swim until, like, the very last hour. And he was already, like, hired by that point. That's so funny. Like, he would be like, you know, like, I don't drown. Like, I, I like, haven't drowned. I haven't drowned before? <laughs> and, like, on top of learning how to swim, he had to learn how to, like, hold his breath for a long time underwater wow. to film the scenes. And one of his scene partners said that she could hold her breath for six and a half minutes after all the training that they did. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, I think he said, like, three and a half or something. I forget what he said. But, yeah, it was crazy, like, the the training that they went for all the underwater scenes. That is giving Andrew Garfield being like, yeah, I can sing. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, on top of that, we also got a, a complete surprise Star Wars short called Zen, which was in collaboration with Studio Ghibli about little baby Yoda in the dust spirits. Yeah. So, like, a few days before this came out, Ghibli just, like, posts, like, Lucasfilm's, like, logo. logo. And then the next day, there's a picture of Miyazaki and Grogu. Yeah. Like, Miyazaki, like, blurry. But... You have to know the context of this is that uh, a week before this or a few days before this, the Star Wars Germany account announced that there was going to be a Grogu shortcoming mm-hmm. and it was quickly like deleted because they weren't supposed to say anything. So I think a lot of people put two and two together and were like, I think this is that. Um, it was very secretive, though. Like it it was very like, no, I don't think anybody was like expecting like, mm-hmm. until then, like, nobody was expecting, like, this kind of collaboration and, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, it was very, like, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so cute. Like, it, yeah. it was just adorable. It was really cute. It was, like, a two or three minute short. Um, and it was just, like, kind of, like, experimental type of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was beautiful. And I hope this is just, like, the beginning of their partnership. Oh, I, I I'm know. I'm hoping that's what that is. Like, it's just, like, hey, uh, we did something together and maybe we're doing more. Like, could you imagine, like, a feature-length film? Like, could <laughs> you imagine that? No, I know. Well, especially considering, like, Star Wars Visions and, like, give it like in the way mm-hmm. studio ghibli like tells stories like it would maybe, be so you good know, maybe they're also doing an episode in season two of, Vis- of visions man um like it was really great. giving me like more more than anything i think zen is like giving like my neighbor totoro vibes like mm-hmm. it, it reminds me a lot of like the opening to my neighbor totoro um but i man i would love just a the, their whimsical take like on Star Wars mm-hmm. and they're always so thoughtful like that would be amazing I loved how um characteristic like Grogu's ears were like they oh, were I know, right? like expressive like Dumbo mm-hmm. like they were treating them like Dumbo like that they were too big for his head and they were just kind of flopping in his way and yeah, I loved it was that so- I love that that's what they, like, latched on to. Because I feel like in Mando, like, they really latch on to, like, his eyes. Mm-hmm. And so in this, it was really just, like, his big expressive ears. It was very, like, Dumbo. I love I, it. Okay, like, I feel like they would have, they could have gone, like, a step farther even with Dumbo. And, like, he could have, like, flown with yeah. his ears. <laughs> that would have been so cute. So the last thing we got is a first glimpse at 
Acolytes. Uh, it just started production. This is our High Republic dark sider show that is coming, and we got the last of the casting announcements as mm-hmm. well. So, uh, Carrie Ann Moss from the Matrix movies is going to be in it. Big that's, name. That's a big yeah. name. Um, I think this show is going to be incredible. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Part of me is still nervous just because it's it depends on whether or not they want to try again to make trust make sense, right? So But I mean this doesn't take place close to Tross. No, but it takes place closer to Palpatine. <laughs> though. Um true. This like, is true. I, I didn't realize like it it's only like 50 years before Phantom Menace, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I swear if it's, like, the birth of <laughs> So, you know, but, like, I, I am very excited. Um, I'm glad that they're leaning into High Republic. Part of me is kind of on the fence because, like, I know a lot of people, like, really want to see, like, High Republic adapted and, like, all this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, like, I, I am very interested because it's, like, it's separate from the books. It's a different story. Like, I, I am excited to see yes. that. Totally. Oh, I forgot to mention Daphne Keene was also announced to be in it. And what is she from? from she's from uh, Logan and his Dark Materials. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's oh, so and I do good. Wanna, I do want to mention that they did give us a little snippet of what this show is about. They said, The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. It's like giving Dark Disciple a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of giving Dark Disciple. It's kind of giving, um, oh, what was that comic series that um, DJ Older just did? Trail of Shadows, mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, I'm I'm into it. I am excited. Yeah. So, like, from that, that description is under the photo that they gave us. So, it it's giving, I guess, to me that Amanda Stenberg is that um, former Padawan and the Jedi mm-hmm. Master is uh, Lee Jung-jae. So, that's what... I'm getting from this photo, but I don't know if that's what they were intending for the message to be. Um, which I really like that duo. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, what does former Padawan mean to you, though? Does that mean, like, this Padawan is now a Jedi in their own right? Like, they're not under their master anymore? I think so. I think it, they're probably, like, a knight or something. Yeah, like a um, young knight now. I'll- Although we have had introduced in Higher Public, um, you know, like wayfinders or no, mm-hmm. they're they're way seekers where they leave yeah. the order for a little bit. So like it, they could be introducing that as well. That I feel like is I don't know if they'd go that deep into the books, um, yes. but that would be interesting. Somebody who has left the order and is returning to help this mission. So with that, I think we are ready to get into Andor's prison era. Um, so we are covering episodes um, 8 through 10. So this is, you know, he got arrested. He's sent to a planet car- called Narcana 5 or Narkina 5. We see him within this prison system. Um, we see him eventually stage a prison break. And while that's happening, Mon is getting deeper and deeper into trouble with 
all of her finances and things that she is trying to move. Yeah. Uh, right off the bat, I want to mention this, uh, even though, so, like, I, I kind of set these notes into, like, characters because I feel like that's been the easiest thing for Andor. But somebody mentioned that this prison looks like the Halcyon. <laughs> it does. And, like, the Halcyon's colors are kind of, like, the, the same orange. color scheme. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, also, I don't know if you've, like, gone onto the Halcyon's website recently. Sometimes I just, like, go on there to peruse. And, like, all of 2023 is, like, open. Like, open. I mean, hey, they want to drop the price, like, a couple thousand dollars? I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. Like, Like, (laughs) drop it a few thousand dollars, I'll be there. Yeah, you know? Like, I'm happy to stay there. Just make it worth my while, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so that, to me, was a little funny on their part. Um, But, like, oh, man, there's so many things about this entire arc of the show and like we had been speculating a lot like what's gonna happen to him there is he gonna meet rebels is he gonna be the one to incite like a breakout like what's going on and like I feel like these we say this about every single episode but like this show just gets better and better and better and like always blows me away every single time it really does like I couldn't believe you know like especially episode 10 after I watched that episode, I just was like, whoa, like, this show somehow, I'm, I'm like, over, like, just better every time. Like, they undo mm-hmm. themselves. And how, like, how? Because now, now we have two more episodes that have to live up to One Way Out. <laughs> I feel like the reason, like, it's all just getting better and better and better is because they really did such a phenomenal job setting their foundation Like, those first three episodes, like, they really set up, like, what this galaxy looks like, what's going on, like, with Cassian at this point in his life, who are our main players, what are their motivations. So, like, every episode, we see them evolve a little bit more. We get, like, more context on what's going on with the galaxy. And that just is making the picture clearer and clearer and clearer. Like, even learning things, so, like, in this, we learn about, like, what the Emperor's um, retaliation was for what happened on Aldani, and because of that, like, it has, like, rippled throughout the galaxy, and the way the characters react, the way that they talk to Cassie and, like, all that, it feels so real. It feels very realistic. Mm -hmm. So, should we start with our baby boy? Yeah. Let's start with Cyril. Working that nine to five. With his little clip-on tie. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, he got a job courtesy of his uncle, was it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the he mysterious has... uncle we have yet to meet. Yeah. Will we ever meet him? I don't know. I, I, I'm I starting to, like, feel like he's going to be, like, somebody. Like, the name isn't familiar at all. But, like, like he's, you think it's his uncle's, like, Tarkin? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yes, he has his little his little desk job pushing papers, and I think it's so funny. Literally every single day, he makes a request about like, "Hey, you need to find Cassian Andor. You need to find Cassian Andor." He's like being so annoying about it that Deirdre herself has to come and be like, "What? What do you want?" Um, but then, like you know, like it does get Deirdre's attention, and you do see that like she is like getting information from him. But she doesn't want to work with him. No. 
she she's like okay so like thank you for the information and like in return like she clears his name like he's mm-hmm. good and she's like okay you're done now but this is like personal for cyril like yeah it's like Jean. like yeah it he is obsessive over and or like he just can't let it like die mm-hmm. um and i feel like he he feels like he has to prove himself to people and that's why he won't let it die mm-hmm. well he's so faithful and loyal to the empire i really thought about this when i was re-watching like he doesn't understand that like the empire doesn't care about him mm-hmm. and i that feel he's like just, like a cog in the wheel like no exactly one. yeah and I feel like most officials in the Empire understand that, like, the Empire doesn't care about anybody. Like, it, it's a selfish system, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like he truly believes in this system, but it's like it doesn't care about you. And, like, he hasn't realized that yet. And I'm, like, waiting for that glass to shatter because I feel like it's going to be very fascinating to see. When he realizes that the Empire doesn't care about him. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we've seen, so he's very obsessive about Cassian, and now we're seeing him be very obsessive about Deidre. And, like, listen, we were like, crack ship, what if? But, like, actually? <laughs> yeah, like, I, okay, so, like, I want to, like, give this scene some time for us to talk about it. Yes, okay. So both of us read it a certain way. Right. Read it romantically. And I do want to say that other people read it differently and took it a lot, like, that um, Cyril was very creepy in this scene. Which I will admit, like, he was creepy. Like, yes. I, I want people to understand, like, mm-hmm. we love Cyril, but, like, that doesn't mean that we don't see that he is, like, very messed up. Like, mm-hmm. this was very creepy. Like, he is kind of stalking yes. her. The I And I think where, for me, it my reading came a little bit different is that um, the way that the scene was shot and the music yes. were not indicating to me that he was dangerous in this moment. Yes. And I think that's what led me to le- like to, to read it the way that I did. But in no way does that mean like I disrespect any other like opinions on that scene. Um, and like, I totally get why you would read it in a different way. Yeah, personally, like, when I was watching it, because I remember messaging you, and I was like, wait a second, but, like, actually? But, like, is this actually happening? Like, personally, everything we've seen of Cyril, like, especially into his home life, it's Mm -hmm. like, I get it. Like, he does have that potential to be, like, the creepy incel guy, right? And that's how a lot of people read him. But to me, I'm like... It, with this being fiction, like, I do think it goes deeper than that. And I don't think that he is dangerous. I think he has the potential to be dangerous. Yeah. But I think that he is so unbelievably grateful for, like, what Deidre did. And, like, this is just his personality. Like, he is so loyal. He, needs he to, is like, so faithful. Himself. He needs to, like, check himself. Yes. Be like, if I, if you were like a woman, like alone, and this happened to you, like, how would you feel? Exactly. Like, I don't think he realized that, like, you were coming off a little strong there, buddy. 
just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he just like the social cues don't quite click for him. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, and like Deidre in this too, like I saw um, a thread where like she had been talking in an interview and like all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, she is like a fascist. Like she is. Mm-hmm. Like she yes. is rising through the ranks. Like she is good at her job. She likes her job and all that. And it's so interesting because it's like, I want to root for her, but I'm like, but I don't want her to take Cassian down, right? Like it's because she's I, a working woman, and you're like, yes, yeah, go well, queen. Like, well, they and they <laughs> said no. like they yeah. they did that on purpose. Like she's the only woman in the room. You're like, yes, queen, girl boss your way to the top. But at the same time, you're like. Yeah. Wait a second, hold on. <laughs> Unlike how we talked about, like I feel like Ciro like could make the switch and like leave the empire. I don't think Deidre ever can. I do think True. like she's going down with the ship, right? Yes, that I, definitely. I've seen characters like her in like Lost Stars yes. that just go down with the ship. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I I think that. She knows that the Empire, like, doesn't care about her, but that doesn't stop her from, like, being really good at her job. Whereas with Cyril, I think, like, he truly believes in what he's yeah. doing. And well, that's she, why we're, yeah, we're, she that's why we're like, baby. Mm-hmm. She's, like, she accepts that, you know, her duty is to this. And if she goes unnoticed, I guess, like, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think, like, she wants to be recognized for her efforts, but, like, she's Mm -hmm. much more subtle in how she's been rising through the ranks. Like, she got herself in charge of Ferrix, like, after all this. Mm -hmm. Like, she is very good at what she's doing. Like, she sees the problem. She knows how to address it. Whereas, like, Cyril, like, like, honestly, like, Cyril was, like, too passionate, probably. And that got in his way. Yeah, I mean, the Empire doesn't want you to feel anything. So, no. like, Cyril feels. He clearly, exactly, like, he, yeah. he feels. And I think that, yes, he needs to check himself on those feelings. But, like, that is inherently a good thing because it's inherently, like, the opposite of being the in the Empire. Empire. Yeah. So from there, like, if we keep going with Deidre, like, she starts focusing her efforts, like, solely on Farrick. So, like, now she knows everything that went down with Cyril. Like, she interrogates him. Like, he gets to read the report finally and blah, blah, blah. And so she knows, you know, they're looking for Cassian. She knows what happened with Farrick. And she has identified um, somebody that they are calling Axis, who we know Mm -hmm. to be um, Luthen. And it all comes back to what's going on on Ferrix. So she arrives there, and really all she has to do is wait. Because she knows that eventually something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So what I find interesting is that with Marva, Marva's getting really worse, like her sickness. Like, I don't know if she's going to make it through this season, to be honest. I don't um, think so. And she says that, you know, like, she's asked if she's going to interrogate Marva, and she's like, no, like, Marva's going to draw Cassian out. Like, that's... Well, and it's interesting because Luthen says the same thing. Because, like, Luthen also wants Cassian because he's a loose end, right? Mm -hmm. And he says the exact same thing. Like, his mother being sick is going to lure Cassian back there. 
Like, we know, like, final showdown territory. He's going to go back to Ferrix because his mother is sick. That is a motivation for him. And he's going to find Senta waiting for him and Deirdre waiting for him. And maybe even Cyril. I feel like Cyril might be waiting in the wings as well. Yeah, totally. And, um, but she, you know, she doesn't interrogate Marva, but she does interrogate Bix. Mm -hmm. And that was a really tough scene to watch. Um, wow. I, I don't know if we've ever seen such a brutal, you know, um, interrogation scene, torture scene in Star Wars ever. Mm-hmm. I don't um, think so. Like, I, and it was so, the way that they don't even just, like, close the door and, like, you hear her scream, like, you actually learn, like, mm-hmm. what they're going to do to her. You hear the clinical way they tell her how she's going to be tortured. Like, you see the like look on her face. children dying. She literally is hearing children dying. Yeah, she's listening to screams of <laughs> mm-hmm. children dying. And it just, like, they don't play the audio for us because I'm sure there was, like, no way they could ever make something that would, like, be right. But um, you do see her face. And, like, she did a phenomenal job oh, yeah, acting in that scene. Oh, yeah, did a really, really great job. I felt will felt for her and even after the torture was all done like her just like kind of limp body almost like her just you know leaning over herself like so brutal Mm -hmm. like really like you feel it and I think it you know the torture of it all like really adds to this world of brutality Um, yeah well and like the way that her downfall was her reaching back out to Luthen being like, hey, like Cassian's mom is sick. Like we need help. And they receive the message and do not respond. And that's what gets her captured was reaching out to them. Mm -hmm. Like it's so interesting the way that they are like showing the rebellion right now because it, it's very scattered. Um, we even see Luthen, like, go and talk to Saw Gerrera. And, like, Luthen has this vision for how the rebellion's going to come together. And it's through oppression. He's like, I want the Empire to come down harder. We need to be louder because if these people start suffering, they will start fighting. They and will join like, their cause. That's, like, that's dark. Lot. Like, that's, like brutal and dark to say yeah. something like that that like i want people to suffer so that we have more people to fight for us i really found myself because like we've always known like saw Gerrera to be like an extremist and mm-hmm. the fact that like when he's talking to saw Gerrera, i'm like saw is like the reasonable one right now <laughs> like <laughs> that was a lot right because like yeah saw is has this his own way of doing things his own mindset because like Luthen is there trying to get him to like work together and blah 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 and it's like I'm t- he's Luthen's just like I'm tired of being quiet like if we don't start being louder like these people are not going to start fighting because like yeah once you start to I, get comfortable you get complacent I think that Luthen's willing to sacrifice more than Saw I think he's willing to sacrifice more than just about everybody we've seen so far like, I, that's one of the reasons why, like, he and Mon, like, butt heads. Because, like, Mon has so much to lose. Yeah, and she's not, like, she's scared about sacrificing those things. Yes. Um, And with Luthen, he doesn't question it. Like, he's going to sacrifice every other person's life, you know, yeah. to, to get, you know, the greater good kind of thing. I think it's 
Luthen has been an interesting character to watch develop. He has. Like, I I don't think, like, you could say that he's, like, a good guy or a bad guy, you know? No. Like, he's... But it's I mean, very Star Wars does that the best. Star Wars they, has they always do. done the gray, you know, like, the middle, the not good, not bad. They've always... That's been at the heart of Star Wars, always. Um... I wonder yeah. what George Lucas thinks about this show. I hope he's enjoying it. I hope he is, too. Like, I would love to know, like, what he has to say. Because, like, it's so interesting. Like, we know we're rooting for Cassian because, like, we know him from Rogue One. And, like, we know we're rooting for Mon Mothma because, like, we know her from, like, other things. But, like, everybody else, it's kind of like, oh, I like you. But, like, then you do this thing. Or it's like, oh, like, you did this thing. But, like, I still kind of like you, you know? Yeah. I love how complex, like, every single character is like mm-hmm. even vel and Cinta, like oh we gotta talk about the space lesbians like <laughs> yeah. even them it's like i like them i want to root for them but at the same time like there's something where it's like i don't know if i trust you they're flawed they're like, very they're flawed. flawed um every character is so flawed and like the show is so dark so like when i said like what would george think about this the first thing i thought was like is this show like too dark for him too dark potentially for him. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know he made um, Revenge of the Sith, and that is probably the darkest he's ever gotten. Um, but this is, like, re- like he's always said, you know, I mean, the, this, these movies are 12-year-olds. Like, this is not for 12-year-olds. <laughs> but I do feel like it fits in, though. Like, you're right. Like, it's not – this isn't for kids, but at the same time, like, we talked about, like – it feels mature, like it feels grown up without being like, oh, I'm gritty and like, look how edgy I am, like that kind of thing. Like yeah, it just, yes. it just is because totally it's so thoughtfully done. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what Star Wars has been lacking because like Star Wars has a huge fan base and inherently it is for kids. But like this is the direction like if they want to do like more mature themes that needs mm-hmm. to be more this and less cameos and hallway scenes yeah. you know like the show like feels like it's for us like the kids who grew up with the prequels it does i i agree with that it, like, i feel we like we're grown now and we yeah. can watch more mature content and it does feel very like for us it's not yeah. for the, the the people who grew up with the original so much and although I know people who are enjoying it who are from that group but I do Mm -hmm. think that this is now our grown-up show yeah anytime we get anything from like the prequel era I get kind of excited because it's like oh you're you're recognizing the people who were kids for the prequels instead Mm -hmm. of just the people who were kids for the originals like that's where like this big discrepancy has been um we're still not seeing a ton of recognition for kids for the sequels, um, mm-hmm. but I am glad that they are taking steps away from the original. Um, but getting back to it, um, still, like, on Ferrix, uh, I do want to bring up, so, like, Cinta and Vel, just, like, I love them. The scene where, like, Vel is leaving on the train and it does that split screen with Cinta and um, it looks like they're looking at each me? other. Like, prequels? Attack of the Clones? Oh, it was like, giving Padme's rumination. giving. Like, I love, that, like, single-handedly, like, one of the best scenes in the show. Like, beautiful. Okay, but see, like, here's the thing. I still feel like Senta's gonna die. 
Stop. I know. No. I know. But like, I'm After still just so worried. After been through. I know. I want to see. This is what I want. I want to see her despite like Luthen. I want to see her help Bix and them help Marva. Like, that's what I want to see happen. I don't know if it's going to, um, but that's what I'm wanting. Because right now, like, we're just seeing Senta just kind of, like, having a stakeout. Like, she's waiting for Cassian to return. Meanwhile, Bell, in episode eight, we get this line drop of, like, oh, I could say that I'm a rich girl running away from her family. And it's like, what? And then... In yeah. episode nine, Vel is revealed to be Mon Mothma's cousin. Yes, and they're amazing. Oh my and god! And Lida, uh, no Lida. Lida. Sorry, mm. it's Lida, right? Lida loves her aunt or like auntie, whatever. She's um, a cool aunt. She is a cool gay aunt. That's yes. who she is. And Mon Mothma is an ally. And of course, Perrin is not. Like, what did we expect? (laughs) Perrin says something like that, like, oh, like, are you looking for a husband? Because, like, only the the widowers would take you now. Yeah, he's like, all the good ones are taken. And, like, Mon Mothma just, like, looks at Val just, like, so knowingly. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, one thing that I find interesting is, like, Lee... Lita has been um, very much a teenager in this mm-hmm. show. Push pushes back on her parents. A little rebellious. This is clearly her cool aunt, and like they like, there's just like a spark in her eye when she sees her and brings her her a, a new dress. And like they just have like this like really cute friendship between the two of them, a really nice relationship, and it makes the next episode even more heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh no because like with Lita it because we are like designed to sympathize with Mon so like when you see like how like even her daughter doesn't like her but it's like she's a teenager she's like 14 15 like she is in her you know like nobody listens to me I don't want to listen to yeah. you era and so we get to see that new side of her with Vel and like knowing the life that Vel got to choose for herself the non-Chandrillian life. Yes. And then now seeing Mon, because the whole plot with Mon across these three episodes, like, we see her hosting a lot of parties. She's still struggling to move funds around. Like, she's working with Tay to do that. And she's actually letting people believe that she is having an affair with Tay in order to do this. And, like, even Lita thinks that, like, that's what's happening. And Tay's like, the only solution I can think of is, like, meeting up with this guy. And she's like, um, he's a thug. Like, I don't want to meet with him. Yeah. But she does. And his one condition is, like, I want my son to marry your daughter. The look, like, the shock I felt and the look on Mon's face in that scene. And she's like, absolutely not. Yeah. But by the end of that scene, she's thinking about it. She is thinking about it because she I needs it. I to say it. I think it's she's going to do it. I, I think and she is, too she's going to ruin her relationship with her daughter forever for the rebellion. Because, see, like, here's the thing. Like, with where we see Mon later, like, either her family, like, Perrin and Lita are dead or she is dead to them. And I Mm -hmm. think this is going to be the final straw for Lita. And then eventually we will see, you know, that final straw for Perrin, which I think will be much more petty but I, mm-hmm. I don't think Lita will ever forgive Mon 
for what she's going to do. They, you know, they did us so dirty by showing us Alita so happy and inspired by her aunt who did not follow the Shindrillan customs. Like, you can tell, like, just by that scene, you know, like, they're showing us and not telling us again. The best thing that Andor has done for us is Mm -hmm. showing us and not telling us that Lita probably wants a life like that for herself. And then to just, like, heartbreak the audience in the next episode being like, yeah, uh, Mon's going to have to marry her daughter off to help the rebellion. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's so interesting because it, it's showing that, like, Mon's going to have to decide, like, what are you willing to give up for the rebellion? Like, are you willing to give up your family mm-hmm. for the rebellion? Yeah. Um, like, that's the question she's going to have to answer. But I will say, like, okay, so, like, listen. The tropes, though, it's like, it's a good trope. An arranged marriage. <laughs> like, you're to, hoping like, that, like, this kid is, like, actually – Okay, kid, potentially. No, like I, I'm like expecting him to be, you know, like the the messy, dark haired, like enemies to lovers arranged marriage trope. Like, are you not getting that vibe? I mean, I really hope so. Cause like, could you imagine a book? Like they did oh my, like, a like could you imagine? Book? Could you imagine? I'm really though? hoping this guy is not horrible. I'm sure he is. Like, listen, I'm I'm hoping his dad is really horrible. Yeah. Well, how much have we seen of his dad? Like, maybe he's not. (laughs) But, like, he's horrible enough to suggest that, like, to properly, like, like, for him to keep the secret (sighs) that he needs to be sold off by this. That is pretty bad. No, no, I agree. He wouldn't take money. Like, she wanted him to just pay him, and he was like, no. No, he's like, Like, I want your daughter. Like, sorry. Like, that's pretty bad. I'm just, like... I'm so captivated by this political move. Because, like, that's what it is. It's a political move. Yeah, so, and like, arranged marriage um, is, like, such a trope in the books we read. So, of yeah. course, we're reading it this way. But <laughs> <laughs> No, well, and, like, one of the things that, like, I've been wanting is, like, a young Mon Mothma book. Like, I want to see her betrothal and her marriage to Perrin. Like, I want to see it happen. Because, like, I get the sense that she never wanted this. She never liked him. I, no, she wanted to tell. Yeah, I, I want to see I want to see that story unfold. And so, like, I am picking up on, like, some interesting possible parallels with Lita. Um, like, granted, like, I have a feeling that regardless, it is going to tear her and Mon apart. Like, she already yeah. doesn't like her mother, but I think it's in, like, a teenager way of not liking your mother. And this is um, literally just going to end their relationship. It's going to end it. Like, I I can't see them moving past this at all. Um, One light note coming from her parties, though, are squigs. Um, <laughs> you just put a little worm in your cocktail, and apparently that is... Shandrillin excellency. But Mon didn't want the worm. No. Why didn't Mom want the worm? And Lita also thought they were disgusting. So, like... But she's... But the thing is, Lita has grown up on Coruscant. True. So, that makes sense. Yeah. I just, like, I can't wait to see, like, Star Wars parties and people just put, like, a gummy worm in, like, some champagne or something. Yeah. It's like worms (laughs) in the dirt. (laughs) So I think we've pretty much covered everything except for our actual messy boy. 
I did. Well, we didn't kind of talk about Luthen's speech. Oh, let's talk about Luthen's speech. Yeah, before we m- move on to the prison stuff. So Luthen um, actually has an informant within the Empire. And it's revealed that we haven't, you know, he hasn't heard anything from him for like a year. So they're finally meeting up again. And like Luthen is like low key, like you know, threatening this guy with the information he has that he's a new father, he has a child, and that, you know, this guy has basically come to break up with Luthen and be like, look, I can't do this anymore. And it's Luthen's not like, he, he's like, he's like, that's not an option. He's literally like, that's not an option. He goes on this whole speech about responsibility and sacrifice because, you know, this guy says to him, like, you know, like, I've sacrificed so much. And he's like, sacrifice, like, you don't know sacrifice. And he talks about everything that he has done. And, like, I will never say it as beautifully as Luthen because this is probably some of the best acting I've seen in Star Wars. I hope that um, Stellan Skarsgård gets an Emmy nomination for this. Um, it was beautiful. The way that the speech was, like, a poem, like, it, the beats it was hitting was just, like, it was beautiful the way that it was articulated and delivered. Like, I don't know if you have anything else to say about this. Like, I was in awe. No, I think you covered it beautifully. And I think it just perfectly, like, captures Luthen as a character. Like, I agree. I think, like, this is some of the best acting we've seen in Star Wars. I think these three episodes alone are some of the best acting we have seen in Star Wars, especially episode 10, um, which we'll Mm -hmm. get into in just a minute. Um, Just, it highlights so perfectly, like, this is a messy, dark time for Star Wars. Like, this is a war. Like, this is a rebellion. And, like, you have to be able to make these impossible decisions all the time. So, like, when he's faced with, like, Mm -hmm. this man who is going to give up, like, he's decided to choose his family over the rebellion, which that's also what we're seeing Mon faced with as well. Yeah. Is it family or rebellion? So our messy boy, off to prison on Narkina 5, which, okay, so let me just say, after episode 10, I was like, what if this had just been like an all water planet? What was your plan? But then rewatching it, I was on episode eight. I'm like, oh, you can see land in the distance. Okay, that makes everything make more sense. Okay, just to get that out of the way, because that was like a big concern <laughs> for me. So he's taken here. He has a six year sentence for literally nothing. Literally nothing. And like his man, Diego Luna, in this episode does such a good job of just looking just terrified and confused he doesn't know how he ended up here andy circus is just yelling at everyone andy circus Um, is just yelling like they're told that the floor of their like the floor is lava cabin yeah they're the floor is lava like me too i would also be terrified yeah the okay so like the feet there's a lot of feet there's a lot of feet this is like (laughs) I've never expected to see this much feet in Star Wars. Yeah. But, like... It's a lot. At the same time, though, like, this fear that, like, you could just be walking around and then at any second they could electrify this floor and you can do nothing about it because they've taken away 
like your access to shoes like you just have to take it yeah that is like very terrifying and that is very well done and i like that they highlight immediately that like the guards are wearing Have, like special like rubber equipment. yeah like rubber shoes they got on like space boots they, <laughs> you know <laughs> um i also like that immediately it is very obvious that the guards and Cassian expresses this um, in the episode in episode nine, which is called Nobody's Listening. Um, the guards really aren't listening. They don't care. They're like, we already have you guys so terrified of this floor that and you are so beaten down by your sentence. They know like you're never getting out of here, blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. they don't care and they've gotten sloppy. And even like while they're bringing a new prisoner in, they've gotten sloppy, which makes sense later because they make a mistake and that mistake is what allows them to eventually stage a prison break. Yeah. So, and like Cassian has been very observant his whole stay in like how many guards there are, when the shift changes, when they bring any person in, um, because they find out that a whole floor was fried. So in that moment, you even see, you know, Andy Serkis's character, um, you know, Kino, like, he loses resolve. And th- this entire time, you haven't seen that character lose resolve because he he kind of has this... Um, I think that Kino feels, like, important because he has this job within, mm-hmm. you know, their floor. So he feels like, you know, I'm going to do this job really well until my sentence is over, and he's kind of accepted it. So finally, he finds out that no one's getting out and he finally loses resolve and that's when everything changes well and i think so when we're introduced to him like it's cassian is just shoved in here and he's just like barking orders at him he's telling him how things work like this is a factory like this is literally like prison labor like it's literally slavery yeah yeah and I, I kept trying to look to see if anybody knew what they were building. And there's a lot of different theories about what they're building. But it basically just all comes down to just, you know, stuff for the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, he's yelling all this stuff at him. Cassian is so shell-shocked. And, like, within, like, his first, like, day, a guy, like, literally kills himself by, like, throwing himself on the electrified floor. So, like, there's so much happening, and then it skips ahead, like, 30 days, so, like, a whole month, and I, I loved seeing Cassian just, just like, resolve, because he's like, I am going to find a way out of here, because he very easily could have, like, succumbed to just, like, helplessness and, like, hopelessness. Yeah, but he's, and like, he never did. Yeah. Whereas, I think Andy Serkis's character his resolve was I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to play the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to do what I'm told. He makes it all the way to like, he only has like a year left. And that's why I think whenever Cassian is like trying to talk about like getting out, like to him, like he has more to lose. Cause he's like, I'm almost there. I've worked myself up. Like I'm doing Mm -hmm. well. So when he finds out, cause like, I think what really, does this is there's an old man on the floor and um he has like a massive stroke and they bring in a medic and the medic's literally like i'm not gonna do anything like yeah. he's free now they uh, they literally have to euthanize him because of all the pain he was in like it yeah. was such a sad scene and like that is the second time somebody said like when you die you're set free and that's the moment they realize that like 
the mistake that happened on this other floor was that they transferred a guy in who all the people on the floor thought had just gotten out for his sentence. And so, of course, they were all upset, so they had to fry all of them. But word still got out. And I think that, for Kino, was like, I'm never getting out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, he did everything right. He played by their rules. And he's still never getting out of there. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the moment when he, you know, decides to join, like, the prison rebellion, basically. And I do think that it's, like, very exciting for us to see this, like, um, kind of prisoner rebellion because we didn't get to see a stormtrooper rebellion. In it, It's like what we would have wanted yeah. for that. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? I yeah. mean, it's beautiful in this show, and it obviously belongs in this show, but, like, something like this in the sequel trilogy would have been so great. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I love, too, so, like, at any moment, like, things could go wrong. So, like, it does feel very stressful. But, like, as they work their way up, as they start letting people out, like, you get this overwhelming sense of, like, oh, my God, like, this is happening. And, like, the episode's called One Way Out because they're, like, we're either going to die working in here or we could try to escape and maybe make it out. Like, yeah. they, they decide, like, I would rather die trying to escape than mm-hmm. die, you know, as a prisoner for them. Because the pri- the prison is a death sentence anyways. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I think Luthen is trying to explain to people. Like, you need to fight. Like, don't just, like, slowly die under the Empire's thumb. Like, because do something. Rise they're, up. Like, they are creating a prison across the galaxy, Pretty yes. much. Well, and they echo so many shots, like, with Cassian and Mon, because, like, Mon is in a prison as well. Um, mm-hmm. she, hers is, you know, like, that gilded cage where, like, he's, like, obviously literally in a prison and is going mm-hmm. through a lot of trauma. Um, I even like that the guards end up just hiding from them. Like, they, the guards don't even yeah. want to fight them. They're like, I don't want to die for the Empire. Like, they don't want to die for the Empire either, so they just hide and let them go. Mm-hmm. Like that is showing that like there is no imp- there's no loyalty in the empire. Like everyone's out for themselves. What makes the rebellion succeed is the loyalty within the rebellion. Yeah. And the devastation. Kino can't swim. Yeah, and even before that Kino gives a great speech. Mm-hmm. You know, um circling back to what Cassian said to him. Um and they and he he screams at like I mean not screams he's yelling you know one way out and everyone is chanting along with that one way out, um, and they finally get to like the exit right and it is just the open ocean, mm-hmm. um, and oh, I remember knowing what he was gonna say just before he opened his mouth like knowing like I was like this is gonna be heartbreaking because he looks terrified and he looks yeah just broken and you know like the sad thing is that you know the empire is gonna get there before anyone could save him like other inmates coming back to try to get him the empire is gonna be there very soon like they need to all get off because the empire is gonna hear about this and go back to the prison and probably kill him which is like so sad I know. Well, and I feel like because this whole time, you know, they were all of this one mind where it's like, I'd rather die trying to escape. But when you get to that moment and freedom is right there, 
I think all of them realize this and you really see it on Kino, which is why like Andy Serkis just did such an amazing job. It's like, I don't want to die. Like he came so far Mm -hmm. and he's almost free to the point where like he could like really be free. Like he could live. And then this last hurdle, like it just seems so like ridiculous. It's like I came all this way and I can't swim. Like, Mm -hmm. and then at the very end, so we didn't mention this, but one of the people in the prison with Cassian is a man named Melshi, um, and he (laughs) is in Rogue One, so, like, he joins the Rebellion as well. We only see Cassian and Melshi um, make it to land, so I don't know if they are trying to imply that everybody else died (laughs) or if we just don't see them. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe they're the fast swimmers. <laughs> I don't know. I I I feel like Kino died. Um but like again, like he didn't die under the Empire's thumb. Like he, Yeah. That that whole uprising would not have happened without him. So like if he died, it wasn't in vain. Yeah, he he died knowing that he did something good. So Leaving off, I feel pretty confident that going into episode 11, Cassian is going to return to Ferrix. Yeah. Um, somehow he's going to hear about his mom, I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to happen. Like, surely he's going to, like, contact somebody. Part of me is wondering if he's going to go back to Space, Florida to get <laughs> his money <laughs> um, that he stashed in the shower. I doubt that it's still there. Um, but... He's got to hear about that somehow. And we didn't even talk about this. So, like, there was this whole order set in place. Um, I think we mentioned it very briefly um, where they, like, doubled everybody's sentence. So that was the um, public – what was it? Public order resentencing directive. So communication throughout the galaxy seems a little weird because, like, Cassian hadn't heard of that yet. Mm-hmm. Like, it was affecting so many people and, like, he hadn't even heard of it. So I am wondering how news of Ferrix is going to get to him. Unless, like, you know, um, somehow Luthen gets, like, kind of a a trail, like a track on him and sends someone to retrieve him. Which is entirely possible. Yeah. One way or another, that's where the showdown's going to be. Actually, you know what? Like, Luthen or someone working for Luthen dropping Cassian the hint that, like, his mom is sick is something I could see happening. Yeah, I could as well. Like, I'm not sure how it's all going to go down, but I he is going to be lured there. And I have a feeling he's going to be lured either by somebody working for Luthen or de- – see, like, the thing – I was going to say or, like, the Empire, like, threatening Bix, like, and making her – reach out to him but like she doesn't know how to contact him so i don't yeah. know how it's gonna happen positive marva's gonna die yeah i'm positive i feel that too but i also think that like her hope in the rebellion because like she has this very pure hope in the rebellion i think that's what's gonna like finally bolster cassian mm-hmm. into like making a difference is there anything else about these three episodes that we didn't talk about I don't think so. It's a lot. You know, like, it's a, it's a lot. A lot yeah. happened. It's almost done. 
It's and almost then we're done. Get Willow. Yes, Willow will be our next series after this one. We are still brainstorming names for the Willow series, so I am very excited for that though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said before, we are on Instagram now. We are still on Twitter. We will likely be going down with Twitter as long as Twitter is still there. We Twitter will be is still there. there. Yeah, as long as Twitter is there, we will be there. Um, but you can find us at both of those places at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>